The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Good evening, goons. Welcome back to another episode of Jack of All Trades. I'm here with Kaylin and Sam, as always, and uh, we're here to talk about NFTs. <laughs> we're actually are. in the middle of the conversation about them. <laughs> yeah, figured we just carried on on the, on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so the point is, I think they're well. We think they're pretty pointless, right? Especially the what's it called? The monkeys, the board monkeys, the board apes. Yeah, they have. They, I just saw they they have lazy 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 bunnies now. I think or lazy rabbits that they've come out with. Same thing, only the rabbits instead of apes. But that's what we were just talking about because we're trying to we're trying to figure out like why these things are like why people are paying so many millions of dollars for these things and we're thinking is it like is it just you know super rich people just flexing because they're super rich or I mean like if if you think about like other collectibles like you know like Beanie Babies or Pokemon cards or whatever like like the original ones are worth a lot of money right because they're the originals so like. I guess if you look at it that way, like these these board ape NFTs were the original NFTs, so maybe for that reason they're worth a lot of money. But to that regard, when those Pokemon cards and those Beanie Babies and stuff first came out, they weren't worth a lot of money, right? Like they were just like the first ones. So why are these ones worth so much money now? Like I don't know. I just I don't see the I don't see the value other than the fact that they were just the first ones. But like. It depends, right? I mean, it's it's whatever someone's willing to pay for something. It's just a weird concept. Yeah, that last bit is true. It is a free market, but it just it bothers me particularly because you know I see so much uses for it with an art background, right? And Sam can can chime in too. And then you even mentioned a really great use case, which is for sports, right? If you get if you if you get a ticket to like watch um, Stanley Cup or like um, Super Bowl or something like that, and your ticket came with an NFT. At the very least, you could prove, you know, 20 years down the road, you were at this amazing epic game, you know. Um, yeah, that that proves something like owning a little digitized monkey that really I can just screen capture. It, it really what are, you, what are you owning? Like, really? Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, it, to me, it needs to be like, see, like, I, I can see it both ways. Right. Because like if you go back to like the collectible cards or stamps or like anything that people collect, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what is it? You know, like, it's like, like, look at the Mona Lisa. Like you can buy a print to the Mona Lisa, which looks identical. Like, you know, any normal guy would look at it and be like, oh, wow, that's the Mona Lisa. But it's not, it's not the original Mona Lisa, right? Obviously, but it's the same kind of thing, right? Like you can, you can buy the original one of these NFTs, but anybody can just make a screenshot or make a print of the same thing and it's worthless, right? So like, where, where does... Where does the value start? It really just comes down to whatever people are going to pay for it. But like, I, th I think, I think, I think the real like, I think the real market for it, like in the broader term of things, is going to be like on the collectible basis. So it's like, you know, if you can, if you can attach it to something, I think would be really cool. Like we were saying, like if you can attach it to a sporting event or like, you know, let's say you're at like the Super Bowl and you know you you had the NF like everybody who buy who buys a ticket gets a specific like you get an nft for that game sort of thing and then you know you can sell that nft online later because you were at the super bowl and the guys won or like i don't know like maybe you bet on the team that wins and then if you bet on the winning team you know then you have something related to that like just something that carries like a little bit of like nostalgia towards it because other other than that it's just collectibles and the things that like 
you know, we've seen in the collectible markets for like Beanie Babies and Pokemon cards and those kind of um, just like things like that, that I guess are, you can kind of say are similar in terms of, you know, collectability is, is that they kind of go in waves, right? Like, you know, Pokemon cards last year were worth a crap ton of money and now the whole market's kind of dried right up, right? Like those, those things just kind of pop up and down, like out of nowhere. It's not like you get like a, like a steady growth out of it. Whereas like in my mind, like if I had, you know, in hockey, say like I had the, you know, 1990 Stanley Cup, like I had the trophy, like to me, that's something that would go up in value every single year, right? Like it's not going to be like a one-time thing where everybody wants it and then nobody cares and somebody wants, like there's, that's, that to me is going to be something that grows all the time. So I think if you can attach it to something like that it would make more sense. I don't know. I'm just trying to think, of, I'm just trying to think of like more like, more like, I guess, mainstream uses for these things as investments and collectibles. Well, I can tell you UFC did it right. They dropped an NFT recently, um, but I heard it's like one in four gets the right to bet on matchups, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's worth yeah, something. See, like, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Right. And but, like, cause I know, I, I can't remember we talked about it on the last podcast, but you brought up, uh, like when we were talking before, like for, for work and stuff might be handy. Like if you can like, you can like add it into your resume, right? Like, cause you know how easy it is to lie on your resume. Like you could, you could build a portfolio of that. So like, if you go to work, like when you leave the office, like when you leave that job, the company like mints you an NFT with your work experience on it or something like that. Yeah. And then that, that becomes like, you know, on, on something that you can't copyright, something that can't be faked. You hand yeah. that to your next employer and that, that's like real valid proof of my experience. Yeah. You could, um, I mean, it could revolutionize HR, um, just being able to verify education, yeah. verify work experience, all that stuff, even references. Like, that's a huge one. But yeah, NFTs can replace a lot of stuff. Like, why why would it not be able to replace something like just your identity, right? Identity card. Mm-hmm. We all have digital identities now, so you have an NFT attached to it on an incorruptible blockchain, then suddenly you can prove your nationality, You can it's your passport, it's your ID. Um, medical records, ownership to land, to cars. Those are the real use cases, right? The whole point is to use something that's like, that's like on, that's attached to a blockchain, but isn't a currency uh, because you don't want money attached to it, but is, is, is just, just like Bitcoin can't be duplicated, right? That was the whole point of blockchain that you can create something digital, but can't be duplicated. And so that creates digital scarcity. Now, why do you need digital scarcity? Because we have scarce things in the real world. So if you attach those scarce things in the real world to the scarce thing in the digital world, and suddenly whole things open up, right? It'll 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 completely change uh, real estate in my mind. Because right now you want to buy a house, you got to go through two lawyers, one each for the buyer and the seller. And then you got to go through agents, one each for the buyer and the seller. And you got to go through the banks, one each, right? Why do we have all these intermediaries? Because we don't trust each other. And we have to verify if the money's in the account, if the home, home is actually owned by XYZ, right? But if you have an NFT that literally says, this home is yours, name, and I have money in a bank account that says, this money is mine, name, we just do an exchange. All these middlemen are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny now, actually, that you said that, because I, I went out and bought a snowmobile today. And I'm just thinking, like, even for stuff like that, like, it would just be, it would be super convenient. Cause I'm just thinking like, you know what? Cause like I have the ownership now from the guy. Like, so basically like when you buy something like that, like when you buy it, not from a dealership, you get like a handwritten bill of sale, you know, they write how much they sold it to you for, you get the ownership and then you have to take all that down to the MTO 
You have to change the ownership, put it in your name. You have to wait in a line, pay your taxes on it, do all that kind of stuff. Well, if we look at it this way, like say you can have an NFT that basically is a written document about, about the ownership of this, you know, the snowmobile, this vehicle or whatever it is, then this guy has it. And then all we have to do is, you know, when, when you go to pick the thing up, you basically just, you know, send it over to each other or scan it over or however you, however you make that transfer. And then that comes to me directly. And maybe, maybe the way that they can write the bill of sale into that and then automatically it, you know, pays your tax, like puts the tax amount onto that, that you can pay and just do everything. And, you know, two seconds online, instead of having to go through all this process where you have to go down and wait in line and do all this other stuff, it just makes it like instantly streamlined and you can never lose it, right? Like how, how often do people lose their ownerships to, you know, dirt bikes and ATVs and little boats and toys like that, right? Like all the time. Then you got to talk to the government, which is a nightmare every single time. And, you know, it takes you months to get a new ownership if you even can, because maybe you didn't change it in the first place. And, you know, it's just this huge headache. Whereas if it's something like that, you can never lose it. It's just there all the time. And then like, even if you get pulled over, right, like your licensing, you get pulled over, they can just pull that file up right away and see that you're the owner immediately. And if it's in your name, there's absolutely no way to fake it. So everything's fine. And you just move on your way, right? Like it'd take you two seconds. 100%. It's like, um, like the, the NFT we minted, I don't know if you took a closer look, but um, within the NFT, you can put a lot of um, data in there. There's a whole section, it's meta, metadata, you can put your title, basically whatever you want, right? So like in your case, if you bought a snowmobile, you can put the serial number, of the snowmobile in there, the date of the purchase, the purchase price, location, all that stuff, right? And then the way I'd see it mm-hmm. happening is if you're going to transfer ownerships, then you just mint a brand new entity, right? mint a brand new one for the new owner, referencing this old one. You just, right and that's it it's just a chain. Yeah. The blockchain is right you just create this chain yeah that's a, I, th- I think that's a super practical use for it and then it might get really interesting in terms of collectability because then you have this verifiable chain of custody right so imagine you own the snowmobile that used to be driven by some really famous sports guy or you know really famous actor or whatever right now you can trade those those nfts right. you know what i mean Right, right. And then you could well you could look down the chain too and like see who owned yeah. it in the past and it's all very see if it was someone right. like famous or whatever. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, see like in that respect I can see it. Like I can see the I can see the use for it. I can see why they're why they would be handy. It's just it's just the straight like this is a picture of something that some random guy made and somebody else buys it for a massive amount of money. Like that's the thing that I don't understand yet. But again, it's it's literally like someone will pay you know, what, what, what are things worth? They're worth what people are willing to pay for them. So like, if we have a market for something like this, then that's what these are worth. I mean, if you go back to the Mona Lisa, I mean, what's it worth, right? Like if nobody in the world, like if everybody in the world suddenly stopped caring about art and history, it's worth nothing. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares. Right. But one guy might be willing to pay a hundred million dollars for it. Another guy might be willing to pay a hundred billion dollars for it. Like there, there's no assigned value. It's just, it's just art, right? Which is completely subjective. But yeah. if, but that's the art side of things. If you can tie an actual, like legitimate information stream to it, like we were just talking about with bills of sale or with sporting games or something like that, if there's something like that tied to it, then to me, in my mind, those things become a lot more collectible, a lot more valuable. Yeah. And that's the collectible side. I mean, I was just thinking about um, uh, real estate again. Like imagine you could do, instead of time sharing a home, you, you actually chip in with your buddies and you buy a home as an investment. 
but each NFT represents your share of the home. So when you buy and you sell it, there's literally no argument who owns what percentage, right? Because right now, if you buy a home, generally mm. it's just one person, one couple, one family, right? But a whole new market can open up where just strangers, absolute strangers can pool some money together, buy some property, whether to rent it or whatever, and use NFTs to represent your ownership of that property, right? So there's a lot of right. crowdsourcing. There's a lot of options that just, that's what I'm excited about. This yeah. fucking yeah. ape shit. This just the ease of use, man. Like that's, that's, that's what I want. It's just the ease of those transactions. Like you said, with the real estate, it's just such a headache to go through that whole process. And same with changing, like just the simplest things like changing ownership on, you know, like a, like something that can cost you a thousand bucks. Like, you know, it's just yeah. such a, it's, it's almost more of a pain in the ass to change the ownership than like, I'd rather just pay another thousand bucks and not have to deal with it. Like, you know oh, what I mean? No. It just saves you such a headache. Like every time you buy a house, like what's the stack of paper, like that thick, you got to sign like 20 pages oh. each. Like, why is it pay on I know. paper? <laughs> and yeah, it, it always is. It's always on paper, right? And they file it away and, keep it for a certain amount of years and yeah it's like it's the way everything still is man it's weird but like but to that to that reason it's because we don't have anything like everything's digital as well but we don't have anything that's that's secure enough and that can't be hacked into right like i mean we have yeah we have systems we have like malware we have stuff that's hard to get into i mean like all your banking information's online like technically that can be hacked into but like it's not like to everything's been done one way for so long like at the end of the day like those documents like i have the signed piece of paper from this guy like that's as real as it gets right now yeah right like more so than whatever like a scanned copy of that on the computer yeah. that's still the most real because you can't fake that yeah you you make, you make a great point you make a great point it's the i think it's called the third party risk so like yeah. So let's say we all have our medical records in, or let's use money. Let's all our money is in t with TD Bank, right? We rely on TD Bank to verify our identity. We rely on TD Bank to say we have X amount of dollars in the account. But if some jackass goes in there and flips a few digits and changes it, how are, how how are we supposed to argue against that? Because they're the third party, so that's called a third party risk, right? But that's why like Bitcoin or a real blockchain applications are so great, is because there is no third party. The system works. The code is the code. And if it says you've got X dollars, you've got X dollars. There is no argument. There's no one to argue with. And there's no one that ha mm -hmm. to go in there and ha hack it, right? So, yeah, so you're right. Without, before the advent of blockchain, we really, we still kind of did need that piece of paper, that fucking piece of paper. But it's funny, though, because even with banks and stuff like that, like if something goes wrong with your account, then it can take you a long time to be able to regain control of that. Right? It's actually happened to one of my buddies at work right now. He uh, he traveled like I can't remember who he went. He traveled somewhere like a few like about no maybe like a month or so ago, and um, there was like some weird activity on his card that wasn't his. So the bank the bank locked his accounts because like it was quite a bit of money. But he had, he still hasn't been able to access accounts. It's been like four and a half weeks, and he hasn't been able to touch any. But they froze all of his bank accounts until they can figure it out because they don't know for sure that it's not him yet. Right. Until they do their whole process and research everything and figure out all the transactions are. So literally he's has no money. So he's been having to take his, his paychecks from work and just go to like a, like one of those oh, places no. where they just turn it into straight cash because he has no, he has zero bank. Like he's got, he's trying to pay his mortgage and everything and all his bank accounts are frozen. So he just has to take his check down to one of these stupid places 
get it converted into cash. And it's been four weeks and it's him. He's like, this is my money. And they're like, no, we can't, can't give you access until we know it's verified. So like, I mean, and how long, how long is it going to take? Right? Like, you know, four weeks is a long time. Like, yeah, you know, maybe it's two months, maybe it's three months. I mean, what if somebody like full on steals your identity? Like that can take you like a year to get that back and sort it out. Yeah, in this day and age, that's basically like taking away somebody's oxygen. Like, how do you function in society without access to your bank? Right. Well, that's what I was asking him. I was like, how are you even like surviving? And he's like, it's just been a complete nightmare. Like <laughs> anything, like he goes to the gas station, he can't put your card in. He has no cards at work. It's basically like loan sharking, right? Yeah. So it's like Money Mart or whatever it is. They could charge upwards like 30%. I know, but he has no choice because he can't like, he can't put his check into the bank. He just has a piece of paper that says I made this much money. He can't do anything with it without a bank account. I wonder if he can go to the casino and just, you know, at least he, he bypassed the fees, right? It's like deposit it for cash and then just walk out with the chips. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe it's probably cheaper than paying the fees for the loan shark things. Seriously, right? Yeah, man, that's brutal. That's yeah, nuts, man. Like, but it's just, yeah, it's it's just the ease of everything, man. That's that's where I think all this stuff is really going to come to a head. Is like, because like that's it's all the stuff that everybody hates doing and that they don't have time for. Is like, is just that, right? I mean. And like even even industries are looking like that. Like even if you look at like like Bell or Rogers or any of those like phone companies that have had like a monopoly or an internet company that's had like a monopoly for so long. Like you, if you deal with any other company, they're so much better. Like I have ExploreNet where I am, and like they're spectacular. Like it took me, I think it took me an hour and a half to cancel my my Bell internet when I tried to hang up because they have to ask you a million questions and transfer you a million times they put you on hold 15 times and then it took me i think it was like it was like 13 minutes from the time i hit dial the phone to the time that i was like hung up done had internet rocking and rolling with the new people because they're just like they're a smaller company like they're better for like rural but it was just so much easier and like i, I remember i was looking at I, like i was looking at the clock because i like you know i like blocked off the whole afternoon like you usually have to do if you have to talk to bell or rogers and I'm sitting there and like 10 minutes goes by like okay yeah you're all set up like you're ready to go i'm just like I, I, yeah i i guess like you know but it was just so much easier and like so like i could never go back and it's the same thing with like starlink like elon musk's internet like the ease is it's just so much easier like so so many people are just flocking to it yeah i'm gonna i'm pretty jealous you can get that internet i don't know what i'm gonna do but um uh, i figured out a way to get 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 uh get rid of rogers and bell um, I, I gotta show you offline because I don't want to give a, give away the secret. But um, but basically, there's a way to get signed up with a U.S. um, uh, what do you call it? U.S. network. But their plan is okay. um, unlimited calling between Mexico, USA, and Canada. Un unlimited talk and text between the three countries. So basically, North America, one fee. Okay. The only problem is I have to physically be in the states to activate the SIM card. That's the part I'm figuring out. Just drive over and activate it and then come back. I know. I just, I'm late. I don't have time. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can oh, get a buddy. Man. It'll, take you like, 
take a couple hours to get over to the states. I know, I know. I'm just being lazy. It's it, yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I'm hoping to get up. I'm hoping to be able to send the card to my buddy, who activates it, and have him just send it back up to me. But um, yeah, maybe I'll just go for a drill. Oh, okay. But uh, but yeah, yeah I'll, show, I'll show you offline. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty good. Um, it's like three rates only, like basically low, medium, and high usage. High usage is unlimited uh, internet data, but it's got that whole. You know, if you use more than 22 gigabytes, it'll like cap you at your speed. But I mean, that's reasonable. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but their fees, yeah. what they're charging, really puts Rogers and Bell to shame. Well, that's the problem, right? Is just because they've had a monopoly for so long. And like back to the original point with the NFTs, like it's like you know any of the stuff that you try and do, like these transactions where you're trying to buy and sell a house or buy and sell a vehicle, like stuff like that that you put the ownership on, like. There's no reason for the for anybody to try and hustle that process along, right? Because they don't care. They know that they know that they're the only ones that can do it, and they have to do it. So it's like, yeah, we'll just take our time. It's like trying to deal with, you know, the government or the city for like plan, like planning or construction or like anything. It's just that they there's no incentive, right? We've talked about this before. There's no incentive for them to move faster. So you you take that whole thing out of the equation. I mean, it'll be like basically overnight that all that stuff just gets shut down because people are gonna just not want to want to deal with it anymore. Because you're just basically you're just basically creating super efficient customer service by just eliminating all the customer service reps <laughs> that are complete that are a complete nightmare to deal with. You know what? Elon Musk has a quote about that. He's like, "The best process is no process. The best part is no part." Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be complicated. Like these things don't need to have a million steps. They really don't. Like there's no, like, it, it's like we were watching a show the other day and it was funny because like I have the same problem all the time. It's like, you know, when you buy like something new, like a new speaker or something like that, it's like, and it's like, oh, it's Bluetooth and it connects to your phone. It's like, why does it seem like every time you try and connect something that's Bluetooth to your phone, it's it doesn't work and then it's impossible and you have to turn it on and off 15 times. And like, it's just a nightmare. And it's like, in my head, I'm like, Bluetooth's been out for what? Like 15 years now? Like, how the hell are we, have we still not figured out how to make this stuff just like, you turn the thing on and it just works perfectly. Like, even if you're in the wrong spot on your phone or even if you're not on the right setting, like how do they not just like sync up without having to go through all this frustration, right? Like it's the same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be a complicated process. It's almost like they just want to make it complicated just to make it seem like it is complicated so that people don't go elsewhere. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? I know a little bit about that. I randomly read a little bit about that. So, But I don't understand how Apple's is a little bit better than... I don't know. I don't understand why some people's are better than others. So clearly they know something. But basically Bluetooth... Because Bluetooth operates at a, at a lower band than, um, than Wi-Fi, they have a very narrow spectrum to yeah. work with. And so like your, that, your, your signal is going to interfere with mine. So the only way they can get around that, since everyone's using Bluetooth, is to basically shoot it at a, at a really random rhythm that only your 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 paired device knows. So your pair, so it's basically Morse code. They're basically doing Morse code with each other, right? The problem is if they're out of sync, okay. whatever this one's sending, sending, this one isn't receiving. So so that's their way to the, to get through it is instead of sending this one un 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 uncut signal, there's, there, it's Morse code. I mean, still though, like it's, you know, after, after 15 years, you still can't figure, figure out a better way to make that work. Like, I mean, that's that seems like something we should have gotten rid of in the first like six months of this technology. <laughs> I, I, you should have been like, dude, it's been a hundred years. We're still using fucking Morse code just through the air now. Like, 
the fuck? Yeah, seriously. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so ridiculous. Like, let's get with the times here. I don't know anything about the technology, but still. Probably some people out there like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Maybe I am, but, you know, I just, I always feel like things can be easier. Uh, you, you know what? I, I blame bureaucracy, especially in Ontario. So we, they regulate very strictly what, what uh, bandwidths we can use, which is for internet, which is for Bluetooth, which is for ham radio, which is for airplanes, which is for whatever. And after you get through all that, there's nothing left, literally nothing left. Mm. So yeah. Ontario sucks for pretty much everything when it comes to technology. And <laughs> we, we had a fucking inspector come in to tell us to turn off a sign. Because the driver on that sign was like, wasn't approved. It might be a, a fire risk or whatever. So we're like, why don't we just turn the sign off and then we continue with classes? It's like, no, the, the place remains shut down. Like, what, what, what? It's like, we can't just remove that fire hazard, turn off the sign, and then continue with class. Like, no, you, you can't open. That was back in the summer. <laughs> oh, my God. Unreal, man. Yeah, a bunch of jackasses. That's it, guys. Thanks for watching.